This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Oh, hi there. Pleased to meet you. My name is Tom Franklin, one half of the Blue Notes podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network. We've got that 2019 Stanley Cup power too sweet to be sour. And we're also your home for the best blues analysis. Yes, it's it's a it's a Bruin, but he, he's he's going to help the power play. And and that's what people need to understand. And, you know, they're going to look at it and say, oh, well, Justin Falk was supposed to help the power play as well. Tory Krug is legitimately going to help the power play. Felt like Newport was ready to go into this offseason and use Petrangelo as an example and say, okay, we're going to play chicken here with with uh, with the COVID cap here. Someone is going to give Petrangelo his money. We also have great guests from here at home. St. Louis Post-Dispatch, St. Louis Blues beat writer Jim Thomas, the organist for the St. Louis Blues, Jeremy Boyer, and around the world. Yo, Blues fans, it's Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, all the way from the Netherlands. And no other podcast can say they have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent, but we do. Aloha! I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, and this is my Aloha Commentary. Plus, a little self-deprecating humor thrown in there. One of our new Blue Note Selkie-level COVID mask, if I can turn it the right way there so I can properly sell it. I am, I, you know what, I am failing my prices right model audition right here. This is, this is terrible. He has opted for the uh, neck gator uh, version of this, and I'm still failing my... Prices right off this. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> voted the best podcast by our peers in the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow Tom and Wags on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod, and be sure to subscribe to Blue Notes wherever you get your podcasts from. This is Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. back buddy how was thanksgiving it has been a full week it was fucking wonderful what did you have uh, i didn't have thanksgiving i want to hear what you ate let's let's get down to brass tacks i uh i went over to my girlfriend's house we had a nice turkey dinner beautiful got some fucking you know your cranberry sauce okay canned or or made fresh I don't fucking know. I should Did it look like jelly? Oh, so it was probably like just mushed around. Yeah, I have no fucking clue. Okay. Well, I'm that, not one, that one's not a big deal. That, okay. I'm not either. So that one's not a big deal. Let's yeah, move on. Yeah. And then gravy, obviously. Gravy. Okay. Okay. If you don't have gravy for Thanksgiving or just like turkey in, in general, like I don't trust you. Turkey's so fucking dry. If you Thanks. eat it without gravy, <laughs> you don't like gravy. No, I mean, like, I don't eat it anymore. Like, oh, well, <laughs> that's some vegetarian, you know. I'm kidding. No, dude, I know how to make a fucking, you know, I don't know how to make Thanksgiving for me, but no, uh, I do make gravy. It's like, 
<laughs> you think I'm, I could be this fat and not have gravy in my life? Like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm a big gravy supporter. Like, you got to do it the right way. Like, you got to start with a roux. Don't you dare. Don't you dare come in with a can. <laughs> the fuck out. All right, sides. What are like sides? Your, you guys have like. You don't like Thanksgiving your, like, sides. Minute made gravy. I get the fuck out of here. Why? <laughs> this You're is the kidding. South. Like, fucking Uncle Ben's. Oh, wait. Is, it, is there still Uncle Ben's or did that get. No, like, it, it's called, I think bends now like it literally just got taken away um which is okay you know sign of the times like so be it um okay well your your bends gravy then like you're yeah no no no. like uh, that shit is always on sale and the only people that buy it are people that are not cultured i'm not gonna lie i would probably buy it because i can't make gravy it is I, I tell you what, dude, it, it's it's pretty hard to do gravy right. Uh, you will burn the flour, like like the roux, pretty fast. Like, yeah, see, I let my like, wife make the make the gravy because she makes a better gravy than me. But fair enough. It's kind of like you know, it's like these are the building blocks of a Southern American. Like you, you got you got to have some. You, you got to know how to make a biscuit. You know, you got <laughs> definitely got to know how to at least make a standard gravy. Like. I just that's you know that's fair that's fair, okay. and then uh you know had to have the stuffing had oh, to have I the fuck with stuffing you know as a kid dude like why don't kids like stuffing it's literally like bread like delicious I mean, savory like, bread I mean like bad stuffing sucks though is there a bad stuffing yes there's a bad I've had bad stuff <laughs> like like the only thing I can think of like my mind went to like taking a bunch of like crackers and just you hear my hands like smooth like breaking them up and like it's just a dry like put a little butter on or something well i don't know like you you could get like minute made stuffing and that's kind of ass minute made stuffing now like, i not, have bought not like actual stuffing like in a bind but if you know <laughs> how to use it it works you know well i know like when i say minute made i don't mean like the company i mean like it's like oh my god like like fucking like kool-aid flavor i don't know it's just fucking like it's stuffing that you can make in like a minute it's gross yeah i think i don't i don't i think there should be like a standard like it should if it takes less than five minutes to cook it shouldn't be in like a family meal no probably not (laughs) i can agree to that all right so is there is it like standard traditional sides what are standard traditional sides you tell me what you guys have and i'll tell you what a a Italian based family would have at Thanksgiving. I mean, this year, my family, like this, I ate Thanksgiving at my, my girlfriend's and then Thanksgiving at my place. That's tight, dude. Dude, love double dipping on Thanksgiving. Oh, I, I, but my, <laughs> my family wasn't feeling making a turkey this year. So we got fucking Swiss chalet takeout. Oh my God, dude. I've heard about the legendary Swiss chalet takeout. You know what? I expected worse. I'm not gonna lie. I expected far worse. I mean, dude, they talked about felt... they talked about it a lot on Trailer Park Boys. I mean, they I I felt really weird eating a fucking chicken on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, but at the same time, it felt awesome to not make a turkey for four hours. Right. Actually, that's probably that's being kind of generous with the time. But so like. <laughs> 
it makes sense that it's like new to you because like you still have like that family oriented like Thanksgiving. Like just wait till you go to college and you're like, where's the Thanksgiving? And your fucking idiotic friends or whatever, like like uh shall I take out? Because <laughs> they 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 don't have the capacity to or finances to go buy a turkey and cook it for four hours in a, a little makeshift kitchenette that they have in dorms. Yeah. I don't think I, I could spend the time to make a turkey. I'm going to be honest. That's just a lot of work. Yeah. All right. What are sides? Let's get to it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about sides. You well, guys what kind of potatoes? sides? You guys oh, potatoes, corn. Mm-hmm. You got to get your carrots in there. You got green, green, uh, green beans or something. Oh, but oh, what about, okay. Dessert though. Okay. Dessert. I, okay. Dude, you know, I'm, I'm down to talk dessert. Let's hear it. You know what my family has for dessert? Better be a pie. Like, well, obviously apple pie, but like <sighs> we have it Thanksgiving, but not this year because we didn't meet due to COVID, yeah. but like Christmas every fucking year dessert five cup salad a what five cup salad it's got mayo in it five cup salad is my family tradition it is and you you're gonna fucking wheeze at the sound of the, the i have my inhaler ready it is i'm strapped a cup of marshmallows interesting a cup of a cup of clementine oranges a cup of coconut shavings, <laughs> a cup of sour cream, what? and oh fuck, what's the last cup? And You're a cup fumbling. Of, and a cup of marshmallows. Another cup of marshmallows. Oh fuck! Did I already say marshmallows? You said marshmallows. Coconut. Oh shit! Clementine, coconut, sour cream. Oh fuck! What's the last cup? Call your father, Benjamin. I, actually, I cannot, Benjamin. I don't know his name. I'm just throwing colonial names out there. Oh my God, what's the last cup? It better be something that, that helps soothe the sour cream. <laughs> like, my God. Coarse salt. One entire cup of coarse salt. We don't I believe in blood pressure. Now. I can't <laughs> oh, think Lord. of what the last cup is. But yeah, it does, it, does it not okay. sound great? You're 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 confusing me with the sour cream. Why not like mascarpone cheese? Why not? I don't know cream cheese. Why is it sour cream? Explain that. Is that to cut the acidity of the clementine orange? Um, but what? Oh, and pineapple chunks. Sorry. Oh, okay, 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 chunks. okay. okay. Yeah. There it is. That sounds good. I'm not gonna lie. I'm just a little throwed off on the sour. It's cream. the sour. The sour cream gets everybody. I'm not gonna lie. I just want to know about it because, dude, like I'm kind of the same way with certain things, like having mayo-based things and like salads. Like that's kind of disgusting. Like I get dressings. We can put that to the side because mayo is in dressing. But like, well, I'm gonna be honest. Five cup salad is like one of the worst creations man has ever come up with. You want to hear something like a diabetic version of that? You you just heard what I listed off. <laughs> That's nothing. Um, it's called a seven layer delight, <laughs> and this is a tradition in my wife's family. And I'm about to text her and ask her what's in it. So bear with me as I do that. But it is 
heart stoppingly delicious. No, like um, fucking five cup salad, Corey. It's mm-hmm. like it's like one of those things that you know it tastes awful. It looks awful. But it's fucking family tradition. So you gotta have a side of five cup salad for for dessert. You just gotta. I just don't think dessert when someone says sour cream. What? <laughs> I've been fooled. I am dropping the ball and spelling delight. Seven It'll, serving delight. Seven layer, not serving. Oh, seven My layer. My God. I'm like, we're fat, but we're not fucking seven <laughs> servants fat. All right. So while we wait for that fun little uh, content piece to come in. um, Okay. So, so like everybody does their shit different. And that's what's awesome about it. Right. So for us, Thanksgiving's a little crazy. So it's like you're implementing southern you know a southern thanksgiving and then you're adding the wild italians of my family into it that just turn this into almost like like everyone bring your own surprise fucking oh god piece of food so there's a standard turkey for meat people and that's cool because my family's really good at cooking and uh, we do a ham as well. Um, and then here's where it starts to get fun. We do gumbo. <laughs> we do seafood soup, which is like one of the only things I really miss about eating like meat stuff is my grandmother's seafood soup that comes out almost like a chowder and it's like vibrant orange. So just picture that. Sounds delicious, I know. Seafood soup? Yeah, so it is literally like crawfish, shrimp, um, crabs, like fucking half, like crabs just like cut in half with like a f- shitty um, like uh, walnut cracker, like a little nutcracker, the metal one, you know, not the <laughs> not the Christmas looking guy. Yeah. Um, but those things like just cut in half, thrown, thrown the fuck in there with like fried oysters and shit like that. Uh, insane, insanely delicious. Um, but then here comes the Italian. We have macaroni. Like <laughs> we do like a really nice uh, Italian macaroni and cheese that tends to have like meat sauce in it. So it's more like a lasagna. Um, we do standard roll, you know, and we uh, we have a we have a, a pastry chef in the family, so we have homemade rolls. So we're just a little intricate. Um, <laughs> and let's see, you know, we have uh, amazing stuffing. We do, uh, you ever heard, I guess it's pretty normal, green bean casserole. That one's good. It's got to be oh, fucking yeah. crispy. Got to be crispy. A little dry. It's not supposed to be wet. Wet is the people that use, like, cream of mushroom. And it's okay, but it's not good. And then we have yams. I don't know why you didn't mouth off fucking yams. You don't do yams. Yams? Yeah, you know what a yam is? I do know what a yam is. Sweet tater. It's like a sweet tater that's just been injected with more sugar. Isn't a yam like fucking like 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 African people eat a lot of yams, right? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> you have no I, fucking clue. I, no, I don't know anything about that. I just know it's good. Um, so 
this is something you guys might you might want to try this out right might get some brownie points you just take sweet potatoes or i don't know some people buy them canned canned yams comes with its own sauce fuck that make your own because what we do is we just get the sweet potatoes you cook them up a little bit uh <laughs> put uh i like to use maple syrup so i'm sure you can just go tap it to a fucking tree get some maple syrup out of it um with just a lot of cinnamon and nutmeg and like really like savory spices shitload of brown sugar let that really just like stew together into like this insanely delicious smelling house like it's going to turn your house into smell like pumpkin spice and then you put like two bags of marshmallows on top throw it back in the fucking oven and let the marshmallows like turn into a glaze and then get really uh like a really nice golden bake on top and that jams there you go um and then there's other shit. We do a fucking light Caesar salad for some reason. Like, I feel like every like Thanksgiving, like with like extended family, it's just an assortment of just like random ass fucking dishes that yeah. just everyone brought because they felt inclined to bring something. You blew my mind though for saying apple pie, and I don't get that. What do you mean? What's wrong with apple pie? I, I just don't think that that's uh, it just could be me but I mean like I'm from the south so like apple pie is not like a, a big thing what do you mean apple pie isn't a big thing it's apple pie it's the most generic Th- that's what I'm saying like we're not generic like what do you eat fucking pumpkin pie pumpkin pie is gross pumpkin pie sweet potato pie first off we make a fabulous pumpkin pie pumpkin and sweet pie potato is pie. disgusting um, and you cannot convince me otherwise I don't know, dude. I'll just have to come up there one day, do a little content piece and make a pumpkin pie for you. The fact that people can look at pumpkin pie and think it looks appetizing. Bah. It looks terrible. It looks terrible. Not going to lie to you. It looks disgusting. I didn't like pumpkin pie until like, uh, like maybe four or five years ago. And I mastered the fuck out of that. <laughs> like, a, like a sous chef, which is completely wrong. But, um, yeah, no, we have like five or six fucking pies. Uh, there is one standard berry pie. There's like a lemon meringue. We have a, like I said, we have a pastry chef in the family. So have she you ever just had pie um, doing pies. Have you ever had minced meat pie? Explain it. Minced meat pie? <clears throat> yeah, is that like a meat pie? Is it like... No, it has no meat in it. Then what the fuck? Is it, why is it called a minced meat pie? Uh, I have no fucking idea why it's called minced meat pie, but it's like, it's like a bunch of like fruits, like fucking, no, I'm not kidding. It's like, so it's, it's like a mixed berry pie. It's like, <laughs> it, no, it's like pecans. Um, You cook Pons. it with, you cook it with brandy, like a bunch of brandy, um, citrus. Uh, what else? Like gala apple, um, brown sugar, uh, lemon peels, like mostly pecans, and then yeah, it's like a total like That's fucking. Crazy. Your grandparents came over from England and they have mince meat piled. It's one of those type of pies. I've never had that, or if I have, I've, I I I guess it wasn't called that. 
But I don't know. We do do a pecan pie. That's famous because uh, pecan pie. <laughs> stupid. I was about to say pecan pie trees. Pecan trees are very uh, common in the little town I live in. Oh, okay. So, you know, they just fall and we just, you know, jump fences and just disobey the average laws of, you know, I don't know, laws of the land. <laughs> just going to people's yards and just, how you doing? Just with a bag. <laughs> a little Walmart bag full of pecans. Um, well, I guess... um. Yeah, so Thanksgiving's over. Thanksgiving's we over. We just did fucking thirty minutes on me getting hungry. Yeah, we we might have to cut that down a bit in post, <laughs> possibly. But you know, I hope everyone has had a, a good Thanksgiving. Whether or not you just listen to thirty minutes of pie talk or a ten minute intro with some snippets cut out is up to Corey later when he edits this. But we're here, and we're talking about Habs now. Uh, Tyler Toffoli, big new signing, super exciting. Um, got on a very good team-friendly contract. Corey, what were your initial thoughts? Um, Through the roof, right? So, like, it doesn't sound like it right now, but it, it's literally like this shit happens the day after we, we record. So, it's like we've had time to rest on it. Um, but I'm, I, it, this came out of fucking nowhere. It literally, uh, people were still losing their shit about Taylor Hall and then finding out that we didn't even like offer him a contract. So it was just like the will of the people just dying on a hill. That was the <laughs> Taylor Hall thing. And then people just being depressed about it, which I, like I said, we dodged a fucking bullet on that. Um, and then Tyler Toffoli just falls in our lap. Like, I never thought about Tyler Toffoli um, ever being someone picked up this offseason, and I'm excited. Um, when I worked in the city was during um, the 14-15 run with L.A., so the girl I worked with was an L.A. fan, and I fell in love with that 70s line, and Tyler Toffoli was super young in that shit. I believe that's his only Stanley Cup, um, but I – I know what he's capable of doing. He went to Vancouver, and I thought was a lot longer, but only like 10 games, and he had like six goals. So this guy seems like he can go to a team, whether or not they have the right pieces or not, and still find success. And I think that if he can do that with with the young Vancouver team, I think that he can easily do that with this young Montreal Canadiens team. And now I was on, um, I think it was Cap Friendly the other night, uh, and I was just looking at the lines and they have him because we don't know anything yet, but they have him listed on a second line with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson. And that line sounds insane. Like, See, go ahead. Go ahead. That line does sound insane, but I don't think for a second that KK isn't getting one of Tyler Toffoli or Josh Anderson. Okay. I'm okay with that. Okay. Uh, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm actually, I think that um, Toffoli could outwin like Tatar being on the first and they've plummeted um, Jonathan Droy into the third line right now. And I get it. It's probably just jumbling and jumbling it around, but very interesting to see that. Um, I don't know. I, I like Tyler Toffoli a lot. 
Um, he had like one injury that I know of. It was like, I think 16 season, he like fucked his knee up and got surgery, but like he immediately came back and made an impact. So like, I um, he's not a hurt, you know, he's not like a, someone I'd be afraid of if he got hurt. Cause he clearly, you know, clearly handled, handled his business. I mean, that season, uh, he managed to play 63 games and he still got, he was 16, 18, 34. So, I mean, he had a great, you know, he still was doing good. And I mean, last year before he got traded, he still had 18 goals and 16 assists with an LA team. That's not that fucking good anymore. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I think Tyler Toffoli is going to bring you maybe 20 goals and, you know, roughly 40 points. I think, that's what you can expect from Tyler Toffoli. If you expect any more, you're going to be disappointed. That's just the reality of the situation. But I still think it was a great contract for Montreal, 4.4 at four years. It's going to take him to 32. Um, Toffoli was one of the top free agents on the market. Um, he, he plays a good style of game that I think is going to fit with Montreal. I just think that, like you said, he played on that Vancouver team as kind of the um, – uh, oh, what's the word? Kind of the shooter, like for Elias Patterson. Elias Patterson would feed him the puck. Toffoli would just snap it off and shoot the tricker man. And I think we could see him playing that role with Suzuki or Kakaniemi. Um, personally, I see him playing with Kakaniemi. I think that Nick Suzuki is going to play with Jonathan Drouin, and therefore I think he's going to play with Josh Anderson because if we look at Jonathan Drouin's um, year in Tampa, where he was just lights out, being amazing. That's why we traded Sergeyev for him was that season. Jonathan Drouin was playing with a guy like Alex Kalorn quite frequently, who would go into the boards, free up some room, you know, play the body a lot, and kind of clear the path for Drouin to make up some plays. Well, Josh Anderson, as well, along with being a 25-plus goal scorer, potentially is that kind of player. He's going to make room. He's going to go into the behind the boards on the four check. He's going to be a wrecking ball. He's going to make a lot of room for Nick Suzuki and Druin to make some plays. So I, that's how I, that's where I see them kind of fitting in together. I think Toffoli is going to be the trigger man for Kakaniemi. And then I think you're going to see a guy like Lekkanen on the left wing for him possibly. Hmm. Um, I think this signing has like Montreal had a strong top six before this but I think you can definitively say we have a strong top nine, not elite, but strong, definitely playoff worthy. And I think the Tyler to fully signing definitely solidifies that. I think this is a, is, is a move this, this off season and Tyler to fully really capping it off has made us an easily talked about, you know, like we will see, you know, gameplay like that'll be the defining factor, but like, this is now a team on paper that it's like, okay, this is, a team in the playoffs again, like Habs fans can look forward to having, you know, a shorter off season. We can have look forward to having at least more games. You know, um, I think that it's awesome that, you know, a couple episodes back we were talking about when we added the, the fucking half the blues roster um, that we were adding guys that were going to give integral parts of just experience of winning the cup. And, and you know, like what it takes depth wise uh, we now have a cup, winner on the on the you know in the forwards so i think that's cool we in just one off season we've added three 
Stanley Cup veterans, you know, to each each little area. So, you know, I think that's awesome. Um, also, there's that really um, awkward. It's not awkward. I just kind of fucked that up. Um, but a, a little cool thing, a Tala Toffoli fact, um, he's the only player to score a hat trick in an outdoors game, and he did it last year with L.A. against Colorado. So oh, I didn't know that. I thought that was interesting, uh, and I figured that there would have been a hat trick previous, but no, Tala Toffoli last year, um, you know, made that happen. So if he can take a, an average-ass L.A. Kings team and beat Colorado in an outdoors game, and be the deciding factor, you know, uh, I think that's awesome. Uh, I'm excited to see Tyler DeFoley. I love that when he was a kid, he played for the Toronto Junior Canadians. Yes, sir. That's pretty cool. So it's like we've already, like, we're adding more and more people that are just, like, have, like, at a very young age, like, looking up to hockey would be the Canadians. I think that's awesome that we're just gaining people, you know, that as a kid that was, like, possibly a team they rooted for, you know, like maybe like a, like, like a Joel Edmondson, you know, I think that's very nice. Yeah, for sure. And just to bring it back to what you said about Stanley cup, you know, champions, Mark Bergevin's bringing them in. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's definitely something he's probably put some focus into. Um, seeing as he's, he's clearly viewing this as a kind of, year to win i would say mm -hmm. um we're seeing mark bergevin make moves we've never seen him make before mark bergevin has you know consistently you know been calm said and you know we need to be calm we need to be collected we need to just take our time we'll get there eventually i'm not saying that bergevin's on the hot seat but i think he potentially sees this as his make or break year and it possibly could be. I don't know. I personally think the Bergevin does have the confidence of Molson, but it has been a while since he's taken over. Um, I've loved the direction he's taken this team, but it just the moves he's made have made it seem, at least to me, that Mark Bergevin feels that this is kind of a make or break year for him. He needs to take a step forward because Molson may not have him on the hot seat after this year, but the fans fucking will, especially with the hype and expectation this roster's had. Um, I think if Mar the Montreal Canadiens don't make the playoffs this year, I think it'll we can safely say it'll be a disappointment. It'll be a disappointment, but like I'm starting to ride the Mark Bergevin train. So it's like, you know, like before I would, it was so easy to just beat up on a GM, but like this dude, like literally two off seasons have has revamped the Montreal Canadiens into playoff, you know, into a playoff caliber team. Um, it would suck if this year's, you know, kind of a letdown, but like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I have no control of it, you know, but like, I wouldn't be like, he's got to go, you know, I, I wouldn't think that, be there I think that he's definitely helped revitalize a team that has desperately been needing it. <clears throat> No, and I'm not saying I would put him on the hot seat either. Dependent on moves he's made, maybe a year from now I'm fucking screaming that we need to fire Bergevin. You never know. Yeah. But what I am saying is I would be severely disappointed if this Montreal Canadiens team doesn't at least make a push for the playoffs. I'd be – I'm going to be honest. I'd be upset if we don't make the playoffs. I'm not – we can make the playoffs in the last fucking wildcard spot for all I care. 
I really do see this as a potential playoff playoff team. Um, obviously, the Atlantic has gotten a lot fucking tougher since we've um, last talked. Taylor Hall <laughs> went to uh, Buffalo, Evgeny Dadanov to the Sens on what was a fucking amazing deal, by the way. The Sens are going to be good in a few years, which really fucking scares me. Um, not just Buffalo. Tampa has continued to remain strong. Um, Boston's going to be there. The Toronto's going to be good. Even Florida, you know, they've lost Hoffman and Dadanov, although Hoffman hasn't signed. Anywhere. I was about to say, where did Hoffman go? Because I was super in the DMs about Hoffman and then Tyler Toffoli came around. It's like, yeah, we yeah, just put Hoffman. that one. We could put that fucking paper back in, back in its little spot. Hoffman hasn't signed anywhere, but I think it would be. That's frankly, a great sign for, for really any team. Like if you can play in Florida and have a, a 20 plus goal, you know, average every year. I mean, I think you're doing a great job. He did it in Ottawa too. So Hoffman's a good player, but he's such a liability defensively that I almost think it's not worth it. Like he's a pure goal scorer. Don't get me wrong. He's a great trigger man. I think if you put him on a line with a second, with a high caliber second center, like say, um, if you get if you brought him to Edmonton, you gave him Leon Dreisaitl, and then played him with a right winger who is defensively responsible. Um, uh, no one comes. I can't think of someone right off the top of my head, but someone who's gonna back check like, I don't know, like an Alex Kalorn or just somebody who's going to go back and be responsible defensively. I think you can make it work, but he's so defensively, like such a liability defensively that I am actually, I'm honestly really happy Montreal didn't pick him up just purely for that reason. He's just, he cannot play on the, on the other side of the puck. He's just, <laughs> he's just not capable, but getting, getting back to the point, I don't think that Montreal is going to have a very easy road to the playoffs at all. Um, if you look at our division, I think it's safe to say it's top two, if not the strongest division in hockey right now. Um, so it's going to be a tough challenge for Montreal for sure. But I think this team is built tough, which is important. We saw the Atlantic as a whole has made kind of an arms race to get tougher Toronto, especially, I think, in kind of response to Montreal and Boston, you know, they're getting tougher, as well as Tampa got a lot tougher last offseason. Um, this, um, it's going to be a hard division to play in. There's going to be a lot of hitting. There's going to be, it's going to be rough. It's going to be like the West was a few years ago. Um, so I think, honestly, Montreal, we're, we're in for some really fucking exciting hockey this year. And I think Montreal should make a playoff spot. With that said, I do still think, though, that while Montreal should make a playoff spot, this is not a contending year. I think this is a year that we see KK and Suzuki, you know, start putting up points. You know, I'm hoping they can each reach the 50, 60 point respectively for each other. KK, 50, Suzuki, 60, just because, you know, KK had an off year. But and if they can reach that like kind of plateau, with playoff success, I think this will be like just perfect five-star year. And I think the next year prior, that's when you can really see. I think this is one more development while kind of competing year. And the next season, I think Mark Bergeron is going to be totally in compete mode. That's how I see this team built. And the signing of Brendan Gallagher, which I think will get your reaction to, is only signs that Mark Bergeron really wants this team to compete. 
Yeah, because um, you know, like that that just really was a gut punch, you know, just just on Twitter seeing that like negotiations have gone quiet. And you know, and that could be a fucking ruse cuz why not? It's Mark Bergevin. But I mean, like it's it's hard to imagine the Canadians right now without Brendan Gallagher. Like he might not wear the C, but he is the emotional, you know, he is the emotional leader on this team like I don't know what it's like to be on the ice with Brendan Gallagher, but I'm sure that when that man fires up a team, it's like taking a pre-workout, you know, <laughs> like this dude can take a beat up. It can be like, I don't know, fourth overtime, you know, and I'm sure he can rally, you know, these guys who are just completely dead to, to give it their all, you know, even further, like, Brendan Gallagher means so much more than just, you know, people, people are going to say that, you know, maybe his numbers might've diminished a little bit. Um, I know like Dave, Dave had mentioned when we were watching the playoffs a little bit that Brendan Gallagher wasn't playing in front, um, you know, in front of the goalie as much anymore. He wasn't screening, wasn't getting those really dirty, um, you know, dirty goals and, and deflections and all that. He just really has been known to get beat up. And I mean, we kind of, I wouldn't say we lost that, but I'm just excited that Brendan is is going to be back and he's going to stay for a lot for a lot longer because we lost a lot of key pieces in the 15-16 purge basically, and I felt like a lot of it we we put a lot around Brendan Gallagher and Max Pacioretty at that time, and I think that you know we finally have a really good respectable team around, and I don't see this team without Brendan Gallagher. Well, say Gallagher's numbers fell, I think would be a little criminal because he did have 43 points in 59 games as opposed to 52 and 82 last year. And that was the his highest, his best career year statistically where he had 33, not in terms of point total, but in terms of goals, he had 33. Yeah. He had 31 the year prior. I think Gallagher was on pace for a career year for sure. 60 points, 30 goals roughly. Um, but when you say like he contributes with through emotional and through emotionally and leadership. I think if anything, you can look at the playoffs and kind of that is that as the best example, because like you said, Gallagher wasn't contributing much on the score sheet, but he contributed so much through just emotional leadership. He went out there on the ice and gave it his all and led by, you know, giving everything he had um, skating hard, you know, finishing checks, being that emotional leader and, you know, he's getting the 6 million for being a 30 goal scorer. I've said that previously on just talking about 30 goal scores, 6 million is kind of the mark. Um, I think Gallagher is a better player than that. He's what was the stat? I think we saw he's fifth in the NHL since 2017, 18 in five on five goals. The only players ahead of him are Ovechkin, um, who else? Anyway, he's ahead of like he's ahead of guys like Line, Barakov, uh, Kucherov, etc. He's ahead of all those guys in five v five goals, and he but he got the extra point five on that contract for being the emotional leader, you know, for going out there, grinding, rallying the troops, finishing checks, just being that heart and soul guy. That's what Gallagher got. And let's not kid ourselves. I think Gallagher took a bit of a hometown discount because I think he could have got seven pretty easily from Mark Bergevin. I just, 
Gallagher clearly wants to be here. And sorry, I know I've been talking for a while, let you talk soon, but clearly Mark Bergman wants him here too. Cause Mark Bergman was talking about him and he was fucking crying. He cried like tearing up on two separate occasions, talking about Gallagher. Um, you know, this guy clearly means a lot to the team, not just his teammates, but also the executives. And, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that he means a lot to the fans as well, because Gallagher re-signing meant absolutely everything to me. I know it meant everything to you. That was our priority going into this offseason. No, regardless, you know, no matter what, we had to re-sign Gallagher. So I just think this is a total win from Mark Bergman, re-signing Gallagher to this deal. I just uh, I just like want to reiterate, it's just like, like this dude was a steal in the fifth round. You know, like if we're going back to 2010, right, he, he's drafted in the fifth round. He plays his first season in 2013 and is, if I'm not mistaken, he's like the runner-up for the Calder that year. He came second in Calder voting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this kid has done nothing but leave it on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens his whole seven – has it been seven years? Um, Eight years. Eight years. So, for eight fucking years, this dude has literally been beaten up and he, he's taken everything for this team, and he deserves to be here for its success again. I mean, we saw it, you know, you know he was, he was part of very important teams, you know, that kind of fell off, you know, uh, when Bergevin came around. And it's like, I just think it's so important for him to still be here, still be that emotional quarterback, as you could say, leader for our you know, for our young ass team now, because he was the young kid getting to see what it was like, you know, with, with, with like a really great team around him, it kind of fizzled a little bit, but then it's back, you know, like we're striving. Brendan Gallagher is such a key member of, of continuing this, this, you know, this hot streak that we're, we're hoping to have. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was just tough to read that. And then when he resigned, it's just like, you know, like there's just so much, such a sigh of relief knowing that he's still going to be here. Cause like he, you know, like a lot of people might overlook Brendan Gallagher, but I mean, this dude is so integral to this team. It's not even fucking funny. Yeah, definitely. I think resigning Gallagher not only proves that Bergman wants to win, but I think it's also just great for the rest of the guys, the team, et cetera. I think, there are rarely players that are must sign, especially when they're at the talent level of Gallagher, because Gallagher, I think you could argue is a star for us, but he's not a superstar by any means. He's not a franchise player. He's just a heart and soul. But he plays, he plays like one. Like, yeah, like, but he plays he, and he's the fans give him the reception like he is one. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he's like fucking Rudy. But like unlike Rudy, like he Rudy just legit didn't have the talent to do it. Like Brendan Gallagher's talent is there, but his heart exceeds what his talent can get, can do, and like so, like his just performance overall is just like uncanny. Oh, like for sure, that's what literally makes this guy like a need to have on any team. Like he's got the talent to be a integral part of your team, but his his emotions and what he can do, you know, mentally for a team, puts him above. Like puts him as as close to you know that that stardom that you would have like that that top you know group of guys on the team you want to hear a crazy gallagher stout though yeah in eight seasons 
I think this is wild. Gallagher only has three seasons where he's got more assists than goals. He's a pure fucking goal scorer. And I think I think we're going to see return to 30 goals for Gallagher next year. I'm going to call that now. Um, he's going to be playing with Deneau again and, you know, probably Tatar, at least for most of the season, Tatar. Um, we'll talk about that probably next week. But I just think that's another easy 30 goals for Gallagher. But speaking of Deneau, and I think we'll probably try to wrap things up at Deneau. I don't know what we're like for time, Corey. If I have no clue. I, but, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> But, you know, Brendan Gallagher got signed and everyone was ecstatic as they should be. He'll be signed through to 2026, 2027. However, there's still one huge RF or I guess he'd be a pending UFA in Philip Deneau who did not get an extension. And Bergman has said he hasn't had talks with yet. Um, That's Philip Deneau. Uh, I think personally... You know, I've seen a lot of different talk about um, if we should resign to know what should we should resign him to if he would fit. Um, for me personally, it's a must. We have to resign Philip to know. So I don't know how you feel about that. My personal perception of this is just that Philip to is a Selkie, you know, should have been a Selkie nominee this year. Um he would be a perfect number two, number three center on a contending team. And if Philip Deneau truly cares about winning and truly wants, you know, sees the direction of this Montreal team, I think he will take a slight pay cut. If he wants to get paid, we'll lose him. But I don't think Deneau is quite there yet. I think that image has been a little overblown. So I see him as kind of another must sign guy for Mark Bergevin. I don't know how you feel about that. If you want to, you know, give me your take. I I just see Deneau as a must sign, but you know how much I love him. I think uh I mean, yeah, it was it was tough like not having this pre-signed, like not having like this should be like kind of old news. But I know you're a homer for him, and that's fine, you know. Um but you know, Mark Bergevan went out and I guess it sucks to put him on the back burner, but he, you know, Bergevan was just trying to build a little get some more core pieces on this team. Um, I mean, just what do you? I'm just confused at like uh, our cap space is so low right now. You know, like he's gonna have to take a family discount, which I feel like Philip Deneau is someone definitely capable of doing that. Um, you know, especially if this team competes very well this year coming up it just makes him that much better of a player you know um snub for selkie you know he can definitely he can definitely make himself look a lot better with this team that we just built around him well not around him but you know with him included i want him i want him to stay i think there's weaker people on this team that could go to keep philip to know but I'm afraid that the home discount might be a little too low for what he wants. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think um, what you're saying about Montreal, like about Philip Deneau wanting to compete this year, I think Montreal makes the playoffs and, you know, looks like they're competing. I think that might be more reason for Philip Deneau to um, come out and say, look, I'll take a little bit of a hometown discount, but Discounts win, you know, that's how you 
yeah, you need to win with a few, you need some guys to take hometown discounts to win. I think we saw that in Tampa for sure. Um, but so I'm yeah, also so what he's a UFA next season, right? Yeah, UFA next season, which you know, like you said, you know, there's still shit ton of time, but also scares the shit out of me because it always happens every year. There's gonna for some reason guys in their contract year going into UFA just get this fucking surge of energy. I don't know if they just call it like free agent steroids and he'll watch Philip Dino will score fucking 90 points next year and ask for $12 million or something ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. That's something I'm a little bit scared of because, you know, you want to see a player succeed, but if Philip Dino comes out and has a career year for Montreal, it's going to help our team for sure. But I think it might actually hurt us in the long run as weird as that is to say. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I'm not even going to try and predict what happens because it's Mark Bergevin and no one fucking knows what's going to happen. But I just think for a, from a career, if I have no right to say this, but I'm going to, from a career perspective, I think Montreal is one of the best places, one of the best options for Deneau. You know, he's a French Canadian. Um, he's really coming to his own in Claude Julien system. I think if he took a hometown discount with the way this team is going, that it could just send us, it sounds weird to say an internal move could send us over the edge, but I truly believe Deneau is staying and playing as our third C, maybe second C, while continuing to play probably close to 16 minutes a game is what this team needs to become a contender in the near future. Right. Um I mean, like, so this is kind of new to me because, like, I really didn't fucking follow so much of, like, uh, the cap and all this shit. But, like, knowing that it's going to be a flat cap next year, like, it's got to hurt a little bit, you know, because, like, we're adding all of these new players. It's it's bringing in, like, you know, it, it's really – it's going to be tough for a lot of teams, uh, and in, including the expansion coming in. But we have, what, seven guys next season that are going to be majority majority – UFAs um so I mean th- I think this is the this is the f- last year of this key little group and a lot of guys that are going to UFA um aren't like I wouldn't say they're not key members but like you know they're not like your Philip Deneau's like he's it, of them Philip Deneau is going to be the one that's the most looked at I believe other than oh, def- uh, most definitely other than like KK you know because KK is going to go to RFA but um, I mean, those two are just kind of going to get pushed on the side and be like, okay, like you, you're fine. You know, like we need to, if we need to move things around, we will. But um, this little group that we've seen for the past three, four years, there's going to be ch- some changes next year, just because of the people that we brought in, the money we just spent. Uh, you know, like we might be saying goodbye to Thomas Tatar and, you know, Armia, people like that. Um, probably Jordan wheel if he's even there that long. Um, I don't know. Uh, but I think the core group is going to remain, you know, these just little pieces that are, that have been there are going to kind of maybe get moved around just to keep, you know, the money available for someone like Philip to know. Yeah, definitely. I don't personally foresee Tatar being with us for much longer, but I think that's, you know, probably a discussion for another day. Um, We've talked a while now. We started recording when I got on around 2.40. It's 4.14 now, so. L-O-L. Um, Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm a little tired. Like, you know, we talked a little bit before we we pressed record because it's always smart to 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 know what you're going into. Um, but yeah, I stayed up way way into the morning playing NHL 21, and it's for the young guys that would buy this game. I would recommend it if you're a be a pro fan. If you like the offline aspect of it, excuse me. It's very fun um, having your coach tell you that you're not doing enough, but you're on the bench. It, it That's fun, you know, like just losing points for that aspect. But overall, it's really fun. One thing is that if you're going to tell me that I'm, if I'm being featured on a cereal box, you could have easily paid like a graphic designer like 20 bucks and just threw myself on a cereal box just for me to see that. <laughs> So there's little things like that in the game that it's just like you could have did the extra step. But the step that they did take um, is making it feel more like a 2K game, and it's in the right direction to really revamp NHL um, because it has been the same game. Like if you're an iPhone user, you get the same phone, less shit nowadays. Um, so it, it's just good for them to, to rebuild it a little bit. Also, um, if you guys are playing it um, – Am I not wrong in saying that the rosters are just fucking insanely wacky right now? Um, you know, Alex Ovechkin is not even with the Capitals, and I'm sure he's like that in every fucking game. Like, I'm sure it's just not my game. I, I've seen a couple of people say he's in Pittsburgh. I don't know where he's at in mine, but I just played the Capitals, and he was not there. So, you know, time will tell where he's at. They've had a lot of cool features like – um like uh, record books are in there now. So like for the Montreal Canadiens, you can go see, you know, like, uh, you know, what rookies hold in their, in their rookie season in, in a game, you know, what's the record in games, careers, shit like that franchise. It's really, they've just added an encyclopedia to this game that makes it a little bit more fun. Um, I think it's definitely worth the buy, even, even with it's the rosters being so crazy right now. Um, and I don't know if you can, I don't even know if you could fix that. If you already made a be a pro, be, oh, Jesus, be a pro player, and you're playing with this fucking basically a fantasy league, um, you know, team set. I don't know if you even downloaded the correct rosters if it would implement that. So you could just be like me. It's like playing like four or five years into the game, where there's just like no one's on the correct team anymore. People have been moved around. Uh, but it's still a fun it, – it, it's COVID in a nutshell. Like, this is the COVID fucking NHL game, and it's worth it because it's just so all over the place. Um, so, yeah, there's my little rant about NHL 21. You should play. You should play me. I'm not good. So, it could build your confidence up in playing other people. Um, but, yeah, I'm okay with ending it right there. I'm hungry. We talked about food for, like, 30 minutes. And I haven't eaten since last night, and I got fucking obliterated last night. So I really need to put something in my system. <laughs> like, well, I will just—I got fucking polluted. <laughs> well, I'll just leave it by um, giving a shout out to the fucking Maple Ridge Mastodons of the James Hockey League, who um, you know, speaking of kind of a simulated ran league, and we're just talking about EA Sports NHL 2021. The James Hockey League is a simulated hockey league. And, you know, we're hoping to have some people on to talk about it because 
me and Corey just found this out. What, like about a month ago, we discovered the James hockey league. It's mm-hmm. pretty fucking sick. So stay tuned in the next week or two. Hopefully we're going to have someone on to talk about that. And that's all I'll say for now. You can look into it if you want, but um, we are, we're going to have someone talk about it. It's really fucking interesting. It's really cool. What these guys have done. So we're hoping to get together and talk with them soon. Um, since, you know, Corey, I, I hear it's sick. I hear it's sick. <laughs> so that's something for the James guys, because I can't find any knowledge on y'all. And I want to know because, you know, like, you guys sound very cool from Mason's perspective, but I feel like a, a, a short person trying to look over a fence that I can't. <laughs> and I'm like asking people, Hey, can you please like boost me over this? I want to see this. And everyone's like, just fuck off kid. Like, no, I'm good. So like, I don't have the knowledge that Mason has on this. So I feel a little out of the loop, but I am interested. These guys sound fun as fuck. And I guess we're fucking Mastodon fans. So let's get it. Like that's a cool logo too. So Good, good ups on that. Um, but I'd love to be a part of it. Like Michael Scott, you know, like, uh, what does he say um, about inside jokes? He's like, I'd love to be a part of one someday. Like, that's how I feel about this group. I don't know anything about it. I feel like it's a it's a secret organization, like the Bones in like, you know, Eastern you know colleges. So I don't know what that is. But uh, it sounds super terrific. And I can't wait to be included a little bit more so i can have a better say on it but you guys keep fucking rolling go mastodons yeah and since i tortured Corey enough with the talk of pie and turkey and stuff he's gotta go eat but it's been great it's been great talking to you guys this week um we'll be back next week maybe with a guest maybe the week prior maybe both weeks you never know um me and Corey are doing a lot to get some extra people on to talk since it is off season and you know I'm sure you guys get tired of hearing our voices exclusively all the time. But with that, that'll be Habs Nightly. Thank you guys for stopping by. And it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys this week. Please follow us on Habs Nightly and my users on Twitter. You guys have a blessed start of the week. And we'll talk to y'all soon. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.